0: One,
1: two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. time. It's my screen time, too. Hello, and welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms moms honestly can't remember the time when planning for the holidays didn't feel more like planning for battle. I'm Katie.
0: I'm Deborah,
1: And I have two sons, Jay, he's three, and Kenny, he's three months.
0: Now, I have a nine-year-old. That's right, Halloween. Yes, named Tony, and I have uh, five-year-olds named Libby and Nate.
1: How was the birthday celebration? Epic.
0: (laughs) Epic, as the nine-year-olds say. It was good, really fun. He had a great, great time.
1: That's awesome. So, what
0: did the kids dress up as? Tony was a character from Halo, oh. which is a video game he's never even played. Okay. What of's? <laughs> Nate was Mario from Super Mario Brothers. That was really cute. And then Libby, she was a zookeeper for one party. She then she dressed in her Elena of Avalor costume for the real trick or treating event do you and Jeremy ever dress up we didn't this year we usually don't Mm -hmm. how about your boys what was Kenny I love baby and puppy costumes (laughs) dog costumes
1: um well it was kind of a infant costuming fail on my part because Kenny is so much bigger than Jay was so we thought he was gonna wear Jay's old Yoda costume Mm -hmm. but then it ended up not fitting him at all. And Jay wanted to wear an Iron Man costume instead of his Jedi costume. So Jay was Iron Man and Kenny was Superman in Jay's old onesie, but we couldn't find the cape. It wasn't an ideal costuming situation.
0: (laughs) Oh, he won't remember. It's okay.
1: Yeah, but, you know, the photo ops, man.
0: (laughs) Did you and Kevin dress up?
1: Um... I just put on like a little, I don't know, vaguely professional looking dress and a name tag that said press on it. So mm-hmm. I could be Lois Lane with Kenny. Um, and that was pretty much it.
0: You know what? My memory is catching up with me. I did dress up. My kindergartners were invited to a prince party and five minutes before their party, I put on an apron. Uh-huh. And I put on like a kid's chef hat that we have in our costume trunk and I stuffed some kitchen utensils in the pocket of the apron mm-hmm. and I went as Betty Crocker and <laughs> people were like, I love your costume. And I was like, thank you. I spent all day. <laughs> That's <awesome. on>
1: <laughs> that is the best when you can get maximal reward for minimal effort.
0: Yeah, it was it was good.
1: Um, okay, so listeners, assuming that I don't cut out all of this wonderful content about Halloween costumes, we this is our first recording after Halloween. You won't hear it until closer to Thanksgiving. Sorry.
0: No problem. So our kids are adorable, and we like to tell a quick story about them because in addition to being pop culture consumers and critics, we're moms too. I want to share my kids have their fall conferences coming up this week and they're setting goals with their teachers and Nate, one of my kindergartners, goal for himself actually it's his teacher's goal for him is that he has to hold his pencil the right way. So instead of like grabbing it in a tight fist, he has to use like his fingertips and I wish that all my goals were so delightfully simple and achievable. Because I have no doubt that he can nail this by May. So I'm just enjoying the simplicity of uh, kindergarten life.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thankfully, as his parent, you will also get to bask in the feeling of accomplishment when he does eventually learn it. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, so do you remember a couple recordings ago when I told you that we were listening to a lot of film scores in the car? Yes. (laughs) Uh, we still are. Uh, and it has bred sort of a bit of a mom fail on my part in that Jay now thinks all songs come from movies. So even if we're not listening to film scores, if we're listening to like toddler radio or something like I've been working on the railroad comes on and he'll say, mommy, what movie is this from? And I'll say, Jay, it's not from a movie. Not all songs are from movies. In fact, most songs are not from movies. And he just says, well, can we watch this movie someday? (laughs) he just uh he doesn't get it because we listen to too many film scores
0: (laughs) that's funny maybe you should start saying american traditional which is like often the composer listed on those like classic kids tunes someday you'll crush his dreams when he can't find
1: american traditional anywhere in his netflix queue Oh, let's be honest. I will have so many opportunities to crush his dreams during his lifetime. (laughs) That's true.
0: (laughs) Okay. Normally we would discuss our screen time policies, but we are introducing a new segment because our screen time policies never change and that's boring. And there's news happening all the time about other people's screen times. Mm -hmm. So, Today, we're going to discuss a recent, semi-recent New York Times article. It was published on October 26th, and in future episodes, we'll discuss news articles about screen time. If you listeners happen to see anything that fits into the wide lens of screen time, send it our way. We would love to read it and discuss. Yeah. So this article was titled, Silicon Valley nannies are phone police for kids. Maybe you saw it. I will read you the first two sentences because I think it sums it up pretty well. Silicon Valley parents are increasingly obsessed with keeping their children away from screens. Even a little screen time can be so deeply addictive, some parents believe, that it's best if a child neither touches nor sees any of these glittering rectangles I just I have to laugh right I know I mean my first thought is thanks a lot mofos (laughs) like they're the reason everybody in the world has a glittering rectangle in front of them and they won't even allow their kids to have them this is the equivalent of like Monsanto executives who profit from like genetically engineered food and pesticides and everything that's wrong with our food system, like if they only shop at food co-ops. Exactly. It's just, it just made me so mad to read the article.
1: Yeah. It's the ultimate manifestation of their privilege.
0: Yeah. And then it, the article just goes on. It's so crazy. Like (laughs) Silicon Valley parents are apparently making their nannies sign like no phone contracts. So like, Kids are not allowed to, like, play video games, watch a phone, watch a TV, have an iPad, nothing. And then they'll, like, post photos on message boards and call out other people's nannies. Like, look, I saw your nanny on a phone at the park. Whose nanny is this?
1: It's like the nannies can't use their phones when they're working.
0: Yeah, and there was an anecdote about, like, a parent wanting an update on their kids and so they called the nanny and the nanny answered the phone because it was the parent calling and the parent was like why are you on your phone (laughs)
1: exactly (laughs) and the other moms are nerking on these nannies even if they're not doing anything wrong the line that I read that I had to write down because it was so infuriating to me was how one nanny got called out on this message board for, quote, inadvertently exposing a toddler to a TV through a shop window. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like, what was she supposed to do, cross the street (laughs) or, like, pull the cover of the stroller way down so the kid couldn't see anything?
1: I don't know. As a parent, when you can afford to outsource the things that you're insecure about to employees and then you're just such a dick to your employees about this thing, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's doubly frustrating because they can't do it for themselves. So they're farming it out to their nannies and then accusing their nannies of not doing it well enough.
0: It's crazy. It's bonkers. I could not, I mean, it It felt like this article was like made up, but I know it's not because this
1: world exists. And thank goodness that I don't live in that world. It was a reminder that I still do feel quite a bit of screen time guilt. <laughs> Well, everybody
0: does. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I think everybody does, except for these um, sanctimonious
1: Silicon yeah. Valley parents. Because if their children ever admit to knowing what Paw Patrol is, they can just fire their nanny. Yeah.
0: Um, so I will post this on our Facebook so you guys can read it, too, if you haven't already. And I hope that you enjoy this new
1: segment. Uh, so, should, do we need to do a little follow-up from our last episode? I just wanted to ask if you'd had time to watch the original Paddington.
0: We have not watched Paddington. We had a movie night last weekend, and we watched The Greatest Showman. Oh, did your kids like that? Um, because we, the school that they go to has a Christmas program because it's a Catholic school, and mm-hmm. they are singing a song from that movie, and oh. so they all kind of wanted to see the movie from which the song came, so that's a soundtrack that Jay might enjoy also. (laughs) It was really good. I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, maybe I need to steer him away from film scores and more to soundtracks, because they are more fun. I mean, I like to sing along to a soundtrack. Who doesn't? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, speaking of something else everybody seems to like, we are wading into the Star Wars universe today with our episode about the new Disney cartoon Star Wars Resistance, and uh, this recently premiered on the Disney Channel, and it airs on Disney XD, which is the sort of tweeny Disney Channel. Would you say? I think so. Okay. Yes, uh, and you can get it on demand from there, uh, uh, from the Disney Channel online as well. And it just debuted fall of twenty eighteen. And it was created by a man by the name of Dave Filoni, who is a veteran of the other Star Wars series uh, that would be Clone Wars and Rebels, as well as Avatar, the Last Airbender. So he has a pretty good pedigree as far as uh, large animated television franchises are concerned. Uh, the basic plot goes like this. So in this, within the Star Wars universe... Star Wars Resistance takes place just before the events in The Force Awakens, which was the first of the Disney Star Wars movies to come out. So our hero, Kazuda Kaz, how do you pronounce his last name? Shiono, maybe? That looks right. Uh, (laughs) He meets up with Ace Pilot Poe Dameron, who recruits him for the Resistance, which is a group of rebels fighting the First Order which you know if you saw The Force Awakens. Poe brings Kaz to a refueling station called Colossus to pose as a mechanic while spying for the Resistance. And that's pretty much the basics of the plot, I think. Obviously, it's way more complicated than that because there's so much Star Wars mythology, but that's the scaffolding, at least. We picked it... I actually suggested this one for us because is really into Star Wars, and I have a lot of mom guilt for exposing him to the original Star Wars movies so early. like, Because, you know, they're pretty violent, but whatever, I can't put that cat bat- back in the bag. <laughs> uh, and it has also been mentioned frequently on a podcast that I listen to called Looking at Lucasfilm. And they often refer to it as a Star Wars cartoon that's being billed as more friendly to younger kids. So I was really curious about that. We watched the first three episodes, season one, episode one, and season one, episode two, were a two-part pilot called The Recruit. And season one, episode three is called The Triple Dark. So as usual, we'll start by going through the episodes one by one, and then we'll move on to our more general thoughts. Deborah?
0: Yes, so The Recruit part one, sets up Kaz in his first interaction with Poe Dameron and BB-8. So Kaz is flying with his own like blue and yellow droid named AC-4 and they're fighting like a red stormtrooper and a red tie fighter. Kaz goes on board a resistance ship with Poe after they kind of chase off the red stormtrooper and he ends up going into hyper drive space hyper something (laughs) um Poe tries to recruit him Kaz initially says no because his dad is a senator and he's not willing to join the resistance but then Poe kind of wins him over and he gives him a mission And Kaz, before he totally agrees, he tries to contact his father and this sets up like the daddy issues that Kaz has, which is great. (laughs) I love a character with father issues. (laughs) Um, And then Poe ends up taking Kaz to the edge of nowhere to this planet that has a
1: big ship. It's a refueling station. Excuse me, a refueling
0: (laughs) station. And so the mission that Poe gives Kaz is Kaz is supposed to like blend in and then spy and find out who is on the side of the resistant and who is working for the first order. And he meets, um, the characters that I are in the next couple of episodes we watched. Niku is like a very literal, creature with a green face who ends up spreading a rumor that Kaz is the best pilot in the galaxy. Cause he overhears Kaz saying like, when I was younger, I wanted to be the best pilot in the galaxy and Kaz can't very neatly just shake this off or correct Niku. He has to actually race and challenge his reputation. And um, Poe sets Kaz up in the employ of this like very world weary Bearded person who takes Kaz on like kind of reluctantly and gives him a job as a mechanic and is kind of like, good luck, kid. (laughs) And so it ends with a cliffhanger because this is a two part, two part episode.
1: Do you want to just go ahead and should I summarize the second part and we'll talk about the whole pilot as one? Or
0: I think so because it's it was basically like one big episode just split up split up into two half hour episodes.
1: Okay, so as Deborah said, Kaz has to compete in this race thanks to Niku, uh, who is like the Amelia Bedelia of Star Wars characters. Like he takes <laughs> everything literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so his new boss Yarick, I think his name is Yarick. He lends him a ship to use in the race, which means taking a- it away from his longtime employee named Tam, which is really kind of a dick move. Uh, so Yarek says that Kaz can use the ship for the race if he can fix it and the ship is rather ominously called the Fireball because it has a tendency to explode but they get the ship in working order and Kaz gets to choose his opponent for the race and he chooses the youngest pilot who also happens to be a girl named Tora Doza and he Learns immediately that she's completely undefeated so it was stupid for him to judge her because she was so young uh, so they race and Kaz crashes when he pushes the fireball too hard but he ran a good race so people respect him now and it's his first step to getting in good with Yarick and the other mechanics at least yes All he right.
0: lost well is how they put it
1: um so what did you think of this long pilot
0: I liked it I had to really force myself to pay attention I feel like Star Wars is one of those things it's like football for me like I've tried to learn the rules of football at different points in my life and I just can never focus my brain on them and the same with Star Wars like I've watched all the Star Wars movies Mm -hmm. and I cannot my just my brain just cannot contain the minutia in the Star Wars universe. I'm just not that into it. Right. So, I had to I, I like I took a lot of notes. I really made sure because we're reviewing it <laughs> that I was getting all the characters and the difference between the resistance and the first order and everything right. I'm not sure if I did, but it was like pleasantly complex enough and had like different layers to the story
1: i enjoyed it i -hmm. thought it was good i kind of had the opposite reaction okay let me see if i can work this out as i'm talking because you know that makes for interesting radio uh (laughs) i i kind of like the density of the star wars universe in general But I didn't necessarily feel like this was a good enough addition to that. Like, it wasn't Mm. answering any questions I particularly wanted to know the answer to. And it just kind of frustrated me because Kaz is totally unqualified for this position. Like, he's just some kid that Poe ran across who happens to be a good pilot. And Poe just threw him into this role as spy, which, I mean, he... He has zero qualifications. He has zero qualifications to be a spy. He has zero qualifications to pose as a mechanic. Like what? I, it just made me really annoyed at Poe, I guess. And
0: His origin was a little fishy. Like how, like it just starts out and they're flying around and chasing this red stormtrooper. And Poe is like impressed with his flying skills. And Kaz has some intel that helps them get the stormtrooper or... I didn't even chase him off, (laughs) chase him off. And like, what was Kaz doing? Was he just like
1: joyriding and (laughs) happened
0: to find Poe? I thought that was kind of suspicious.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think like if, if it's not the resistance and it's not the first order, it's the Republic maybe Mm -hmm. because there is like a wider governmental body. So maybe Mm -hmm. Kaz was flying for them. He still seems awfully young. (laughs) And
0: you're right, like totally unqualified. Like he says at one point, my dad always did everything for me. (laughs) Like his dad got him into flying school or whatever. Like he's living his father's dreams for himself, not his dreams for himself. Right. Which is a classic hero goes on a quest conundrum (laughs) but yeah he is totally unprepared for everything he does he
1: doesn't know anything yeah yeah it just I mean the Star Wars franchise sets up Poe Dameron as kind of a loose cannon like he does what he thinks is right and damn the consequences so I guess this falls under that uh, heading as well, but man, I was frustrated with it as a premise for an entire television show. Okay, and and I feel like if the plot were more about Kaz kind of learning the nuts and bolts <laughs> of either being a mechanic or being a spy, I would find it more interesting just because I like that processy aspect of things. But mm-hmm. that's not where it goes. Probably because it's a kids show
0: right take us through episode three triple dark which is a great title for an episode i thought it is so in this one kaz gets his first assignment he's supposed to fix a ship which he doesn't know how (laughs) and he's kind of insulted by this mission because he just wants to be a spy because of course being a spy is way more fun than being a mechanic and actually getting stuff done um and it's payday. He gets a little bit of money. It's not much. Um, he and BB-8 are supposed to go out and find a part. And Kaz like gets distracted by trying to spy and look for first order sympathizer. He gets the sympathizers. He gets in trouble for eavesdropping on a conversation between two kind of thuggish creatures. Um, and then. In the first episode, he had gotten into like a bar fight because he gambled on a game of darts. And that catches up with him because his debtor wants him to pay him back. He discovers that Kaz has this really valuable trophy from before he came to this planet. And then when he's back fixing the ship, there's this triple dark storm approaching. And somebody explains to Kaz that pirates love triple dark storms because there's no visibility and they can like fly in and steal stuff. So he remembers this conversation that he overheard. He puts together the pirates plan and then he ends up taking like a basically like like a thumb drive sized (laughs) communications device and he scrambles their communication and thwarts
1: their plans. I just I mean he accidentally does his job. But I still can't root for him. He's a cocky jerk. Yeah.
0: You kind of want it. Like, he's definitely too big for his
1: britches. And in this yeah. case, it's like he's proven right. Because thing. I don't know. I hate it when people who don't know what they're doing still get rewarded in the end. <laughs> because yeah. then they think it's okay for them to continue on not knowing what they're doing.
0: It is okay. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's what the American meritocracy is built upon.
1: Isn't it only okay? It's only supposed to be okay if you learn and you get better at something.
0: And yeah, he's not getting any better at spying or <laughs> like being a mechanic
1: really. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. uh uh-huh. Any other thoughts on episode 3?
0: Um just that I liked all of the like one of my favorite things about Star Wars is the fantastical creatures from other planets and there are a lot of them in this episode Mm -hmm. and this series in general and so I enjoyed those guys.
1: I don't know if I was looking out for it more because it's supposed to be more of a kid's show but I noticed in all three of these episodes that a lot of the other aliens seem to be very explicitly animal based like Mm -hmm. earth animal based like there was one that looked like some sort of bird with extremely long legs there was another one that was essentially like just a talking pig and there was one that had like kind of an elephanty snout so I was wondering if they were trying to make the aliens a little bit more familiar looking for children but I may have been reading too much into it
0: okay I didn't pick up on that but now that you mention it yeah I can see that maybe it's just like they rushed this through there isn't as big of a budget or as um generous a time budget as there are for the movies.
1: So they didn't mm-hmm. have time to come up with really creative ideas. It's possible. Eh, well, they were cute. I don't care if they weren't creative. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about your relationship to Star Wars. You've seen all the movies. Have you seen any, any of the other cartoon series?
0: Um, I've watched a little bit of the Clone Wars, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's Droid Tales, which is like the Lego
1: oh. Star
0: Wars franchise. We've watched a little bit of those, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's so much.
1: Yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> so much. So much Star Wars. Um, and then um, we have this book series called, like, The Jedi Handbook,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: think. And it's, like, these journal entries from a kid who, Jedi Academy, excuse me, who's gone to Jedi Academy. And I'm more familiar with those because I've brought them to Tony a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Jeremy is the big Star Wars fan in our family. And so our kids are super big Star Wars fans and I'm just, I just go along (laughs) with with it. I'm not super into it myself. (laughs) How about you? Who's was, was Kevin a big Star Wars fan or were you both, did you both bring that to your marriage?
1: <laughs> I did not at all. Kevin definitely brought it to the marriage and I've, like you, mostly just gone along with the ride. Uh, I think I've embraced it a little bit more enthusiastically because I wanted Kevin to do the same with some of my more nerdy obsessions. So it okay. was kind of a, a tit for tat in that sense. So we watch a lot of Star Wars, but mostly just the movies. I had never seen any of the cartoons before. I don't even think Kevin has. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so we're, we pretty much only know the movies, but Jay has seen them all, for better or worse. Okay. <laughs> Did you find this plot to be engaging as an adult viewer?
0: Well, more so than the average cartoon. Mm -hmm. I mean, we watch... I feel like we watch like preschool shows and more school-age shows. And of the school-age shows, this was more engaging to me than some of the other things we've watched. I think it's rated for viewers 7 and up, Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty appropriate for the... if you're really going to
1: follow along in the plot. Right.
0: That's not to say that a younger viewer couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. it's just that the plot is a little more complex.
1: I mean it was hard for me to follow and I feel like I'm pretty up on the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe this is just blockbuster fatigue because both you and I are young enough that we've never lived in a world without blockbusters, right We were both born after Jaws came out right. Well
0: well I think I was born before Jaws came out but just barely.
1: Yeah, So we're used to, like, these big spectacle movies, and there are some things that always happen in these big movies, and I just think I'm done with them, and I can't muster up enthusiasm for them. Specifically, I'm done with chases, and I'm done with battles. Like, they're not, no matter how spectacular the battle is, it's just not going to hold my interest. I'm just done. So I felt that... With the opening sequence with uh, Kaz and later Poe trying to fight off this TIE fighter, it was like, ugh, do you really need to be spending this much time on this? We've seen space battles before. It's nothing new. Yawn. And I definitely felt that with the race sequences, too, because, like, car chases or whatever, we've seen it all. Like, I felt like I was watching The Phantom Menace or something. It was... It was a lot of time spent on two aspects of the cinematic universe that I just, I'm over. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How about you? Do you like a good battle sequence or chase scene? Battle
0: sequences, I guess I, I will watch them. I wouldn't say I'm over them. I do like a good chase scene. Yeah? Yeah, like... I think one of the most enjoyable things to watch is like a fast and furious movie preview (laughs) where they show like all the, they show like a helicopter going under like an interstate overpass. (laughs) I mean, Hollywood has like the stakes are so high now. I feel like they've done everything. They just have to keep piling it on or making it bigger and better and more spectacular. Like I'll, I'll watch it. I'll see what they come up with.
1: (laughs) And I feel like that's exactly what makes it dull to me because like the stakes are so high that they're essentially meaningless now. I don't know.
0: That's funny. I've never heard anybody say they were over a chase scene.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess. Yeah, I. I should make some exceptions, but on the whole, if it's just a standard chase, you don't need to devote that much time to it in my in my mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: not here for the chase scenes not here for the chase <laughs> scenes is not here for it <laughs> do you think the show is for younger viewers because they're supposed to relate to Kaz's inexperience
0: I th-
1: like is that why they think- make him so
0: incompetent I think that makes him sort of likable
1: because he's so
0: <laughs> not to you but <laughs> yeah maybe he's relatable because he's like I. I don't know
1: I'm just as bad at spying as you would be if you were dumped on this (laughs) refueling station with zero preparation.
0: Maybe he's going to get better. I doubt it, though.
1: (laughs) I am not going to watch to find out. (laughs) Oops, sorry. Spoiler.
0: (laughs) I don't really think the world needs another Star Wars series. But I mean, not not for me, but I think there is an audience for it. It's Mm -hmm. just not us.
1: Well, I thought and I'm sure like the show was already done, if not, at least in the works when the movie Solo came out. But when Solo un-performed at the box, underperformed at the box office for Disney, I, I thought they kind of decided they were going to take a step back from the Star Wars world. And, uh, and I was OK with that.
0: <laughs> what did you think about just the general mechanics of it the animation the voice cast the music
1: um well I am really bad at paying attention to the music I will say animation wise that I found the color scheme to be generally appropriately dingy for a Star mm-hmm. Wars story that is always kind of an appealing aspect of the Star Wars universe that like everything tends to look pretty lived in yes yeah which I like uh so they kept that up except for the bright, bright green of Kaz's jacket, which I just found to be so jarring. There was nothing else in this world that even approached that level of color. So it just seemed to stick out to me and be one more thing that I disliked about Kaz as a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I thought that animation was better than average for uh, made-for-TV Animated show because mm-hmm. so often we've watched uh, things for Disney or Nick, and it's like really CGI kind of slapped together almost. And this was more thoughtful, I thought. Like, right. The lighting was good, the characters were believably drawn to fit in with the Star Wars verse.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
0: And the music, I thought it was kind of Star Wars derivative, which is appropriate.
1: Yeah, I, I tried paying attention, and it was just like your average background music to me. Were you able to compare this to any adult movie or TV show other than the obvious other Star Wars movies?
0: <laughs> right. I mean, I thought Kaz was kind of a Hamlet-type figure.
1: Yeah, like you said, with the daddy issues.
0: Yeah. Um. Have you seen Crashing on HBO?
1: No, I've heard of it. Isn't it about a yeah, comic
0: it's about a comic who was like, went to a, like a Christian college married his college sweetheart was like trying to pursue his comedy dreams, just a very wholesome person. And then his wife has an affair Mm -hmm. and they get divorced. And he like, like his whole, like the rug is just pulled out from underneath him. He has nothing left. And I felt like, In that way, like he thought he was going along, he thought his whole life was figured out for him, and then he has to totally re-examine everything he's ever known. And I think that kind of happens to Kaz. Kaz is a little more deliberately seeking it, but in the same way that Cass is like not able to perform the job of mechanic or spy or even like he can't even like buy his own lunch. Pete in the in Crashing is similar. Like, he just can't be a functioning adult.
1: <laughs> but does he remain, like, stubbornly, stubbornly confident in his own abilities?
0: Yes, he continues to pursue comedy, even though he, like, he is homeless. He doesn't have a place to live. He just bounces around and, like, mooches off other comics. And, like, they are very clear that they do not want him to stay at their house. And he's like, but just please... <laughs> <laughs> please <laughs> so how about you besides the obvious Star Wars
1: do you watch any shows on the sci-fi network no Mm-mm. I feel like sci-fi is the place for all those like B level fan or er, not fantasy science fiction shows with like pretty bad CGI and mm-hmm. like actors you kind of recognize from some TV show in the 90s Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me a lot of the sci-fi slate, specifically because it had to do with aliens of this show that I actually watched for a couple seasons called Fallen Skies, starring everyone's favorite TV librarian, Noah Wiley.
0: Oh, Noah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it just had kind of that similar sort of we wanted this to be great, but we just didn't have there was something missing. And in the case of a sci-fi show, it's like, oh, everyone's given it the old college try, but they just don't have the budget. And in the case of this show, it was everyone's given it the old college try. They just didn't have the compelling plotter protagonist. Yeah. (laughs) Did you cast the gritty HBO reboot?
0: I mean, does Star Wars need another? (laughs) True. True. Another reboot. So I went with something more relatable to myself. What about a Star Wars quiz show?
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: Maybe like newlywed style, where you have like a couple or like a parent and a child and like they see what the other one knows about star Wars in my case. Like if I did it with any of my family members, they would be appalled at how little I actually know about <laughs> star Wars, but I think you could make it really enjoyable to star Wars fans. Cause you could really get into the minutiae of the star Wars plots and characters and worlds and laws and actors.
1: Oh my gosh. I can totally see the, uh, Vegas hotel ballroom set championship round. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I would like to play. I would probably also do badly. How about you? So I also feel that Star Wars probably doesn't need a new reboot, but some ground that they haven't really tread is the straight up comedy. So I feel like the inept spy is a pretty common comedy trope, right? There have been Mm -hmm. a lot of movies with that plot. So, I would feel better if the character of Kaz were on this spying mission, but, like, it was kind of the point that he was really bad at it. Uh Uh-huh. And you would need to cast someone who's good at being uh, an overly confident idiot. So, I thought since it's the last season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the actor that plays Josh, and I cannot believe this, but I did not write down his name, uh, would make a good... Kaz for the HBO reboot. That or the actor that plays Jason in The Good Place.
0: Oh, that would be good. Yeah.
1: Both good stupid guys. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think it was better when we were kids?
0: Jeremy swears that there's nothing better than the original Star Wars.
1: Yeah. Well, certainly. And then we had the prequels, which I think pretty much everyone except my husband agrees were not good.
0: I mean, Jeremy likes them mm-hmm. and we will watch them over and over again but <laughs> still so they he, to, to him they don't compare to the originals
1: so when we were kids we had the original three Star Wars movies and that was usually as far as a quote unquote cinematic universe went you mm-hmm. know like there were three movies and there was a lot of depth there and for people who were interested in pursuing it more they were you know novels and whatever whatever Mm -hmm. merchandise right there was plenty of merchandise but there was just in general less of a focus and maybe this is just specific to Disney but there was less of a focus on this wide cinematic universe because now gosh we're coming up on nine main canon Star Wars films plus three Star Wars stories plus three runs of cartoons it's a lot. It's just a lot. And I tend to think when we were kids there was a little bit more room for originality in programming. Yeah, I feel like the same thing is happening with Harry Potter. Mhm.
0: And I just to me that it just feels exhausting. Yeah. And ugh, too late capitalism. Like sometimes it's okay for things to come to an end. Yeah. And just have it be a discreet set of
1: films but you know what I'll still buy all the Harry Potter onesies at Target
0: (laughs) for sure yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) would you ever watch Star Wars Resistance alone voluntarily
0: I would not I would not have said that I would watch it voluntarily before we recorded (laughs) but I think you have convinced me that it was much worse than I even thought going in I think initially I was like I thought it was like a B and now I'm you've swayed me I think it's it was pretty bad
1: I'm glad to make you think everything is crappy my work here is done (laughs) (laughs) should we do 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids Sure, you go first. Uh, I actually watched these three episodes with Jay, and I think you actually summed it up earlier in the episode quite well. He was perfectly entertained, but he obviously didn't grasp the wider mythology of the whole Star Wars universe. So it was fine. I will not watch it again with him just because I didn't enjoy it, but I don't think it was particularly Mm -hmm. harmful.
0: Yeah, I think it's just fine for kids to watch. I mean, like all Star Wars stuff, it's it skews violent, mm-hmm. but it's, if you don't mind <laughs> a little bit of violence,
1: it's fine. Right. And it's, I guess there was quite a bit of like fisticuffs in this show. I was going to say, at least with Star Wars, it's like fairly bloodless, but there was a lot of there like the actual the physical, fight. yeah, hand-to-hand combat in this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Going in, I would have said three. Now I think one and a half to two.
1: Yeah, I gave it a two. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I swayed you to my side.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and continue the conversation. We're at facebook.com slash myscreentime2, and you can find out there what we're watching for our next episode. You can tweet us with show or movie or article suggestions or general comments at at myscreentime2. You can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. And our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children. And our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents.